Hi, I'm Megan Francis. And I'm Dave Kroc. And this is the Life Work Podcast. In this show, we'll explore what it really takes to build a business while designing a life that matters. Hey, everyone. It's episode 1.3 of the Life Work Podcast. Um, I'm Megan Francis here with Dave Kroc. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good because today we're going to be talking about something that I want to know more about, and it is passive income. Um, I feel like that's kind of this holy grail for entrepreneurs and people who want to be entrepreneurs. And it's often where we feel like at some point we'll end up, you know, but getting from here to there, um, especially, you know, I, I built my business as someone who really did kind of trade hours for money for a long time. And I'm now just starting to move out of that. Um, in our episode yesterday, 1.2, we talked, uh, Dave talked a lot about the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and we're talking about real estate investing and, and this idea that it doesn't even really have to be tied to your business. But mm-hmm. before we kind of get into all that again and dig deeper, um, Dave, I want you to, to give us like the definition. What is passive income and what is residual income and how are the two the same and how sure. are they different? Sure. So the idea, let's, we'll zoom out, right? So yeah. now we're, we're looking down on ourselves and our lives and we're, we're out and, and up and looking kind of down on it. The, we're we're running around, screwing around, doing what we do, right? So maybe we're going to a job, maybe we're a freelancer, or maybe we're a solopreneur. So we're trading the you know the time we invest and we're billing for that time or something along those lines. And so long as we work, so long as we produce, so long as we show up at the job, we'll get that paycheck, right? It's a steady drip paycheck, but yeah. it is a direct reflection of what we just did in the period before that. Um, passive income, on the other hand, is income. It's 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 effectively like creating a stream of income that that will come to us regardless of whether we work for it or not. So it does involve some work up front, right? Whether that's just one check that you write as an investment, or it's a business that you've built for twenty years that suddenly you're able to automate and make passive, or maybe it's um, it's a product that you've created that a lot of people want, and so you spend you pour yourself out into this product and create something. Um, again, this is a very popular concept right now. You create something that other people are going to want for a, a market, a niche market that um, has certain needs, and you create exactly what they need, and then they buy it over time. It might go out of it might go out of fashion. It mm-hmm. might be something that needs to be updated or whatever. So you might have to continually tweak, but you're receiving kind of like a residual paycheck from that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you sell something once. So here's here's the difference between passive income and residual income. Let's say you sell something once, but then a person has to renew every year, right? So there's a residual that might yes. come from that, or they may stop buying. Pa- true passive income to me is income that comes regardless, regardless. of, but it, it, they're just nuances. In yeah. a way. I mean, th- the reality is you're creating a stream of income that you only have to work for, for a period of time. The rest of the time you're passive. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And yeah. I think that, you know, um, it probably goes without saying, but we probably should talk about the fact that passive is such a nice, easy, relaxing word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling passive. But there's really nothing passive about getting yourself to the point where you're in a position to earn passive income. And that I think is the big piece that's missing. Um, I think especially in the like solopreneur world where a lot of us don't have business backgrounds and weren't taught or didn't learn to manage a business budget, which is different from managing a home budget. The same mm-hmm. principle is the same, but it's a different way of looking at things. Um, and I think what ends up happening is a lot of times we end up buying a job 
So we, you know, we end up creating our own job. We employ ourselves. We're self-employed. But then what ends up happening is we spend that money that we earn as though it was a paycheck mm-hmm. and we don't leave any meat on the bone. Right. That sets us up. I mean, you can buy yourself a really great job. You can. <laughs> you can. But it doesn't necessarily mean if you're not looking at it in a certain way. So I definitely want you to dig into this a little bit more too, Dave, because I know you've got a whole, he's got like books all lined up on his lap and they're all open to different pages. So I, I think we're going to be digging into some yeah, concepts I, I here. Like to, I like to reference stuff. <laughs> um, but I, I want to talk a little bit about the idea that if you are a solopreneur, you did buy your job. I think that's fine and that's great. But if you want to move into some of these concepts of, you know, creating something that has value that brings you residual or passive income, you got to plan for that. And that means your the money coming to you is not all your paycheck. Right. There's it's Absolutely. a business. Absolutely. Um, and you got to treat it that way. So yeah. Tell us how to do that, Dave. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Here in four seconds are the one to ten steps, one through ten of how to build a passive income stream. Boy, that's a that's a loaded question. It right is. There. But there there's so much uh, literature out there on how to do various components of this. Um, I'm going to reference several books, several concepts, maybe several people to check out um, as we go along the way here. I did mention in the last episode the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, Subtitle is What the Rich Teach Their Kids About Money That the Poor and Middle Class Do Not. Quick summation of that, the rich teach their kids to develop assets that pay them passively, whether they work for it or not. Um, versus in buying liabilities, toys, uh, boats, houses, things like that. You think of rich, you, sometimes you think of those things. And there's a lot of people that live a high income lifestyle yeah. where they have a lot of toys. But if the stuff hits the fan at yeah. any one point in time, they're just as worse off as somebody that's making minimum wage in many cases. It reminds me of the jerk. Yeah. It's not the money. Right. It's the stuff. It's the stuff. <laughs> that's a perfect example, actually. Yes. Uh, that's a the jerk oh man <laughs> such a good such a good one um so yeah so the the concept is in and i think with this show so half of our show virtually is about building the person right building yeah. the life the the person who does the things that grows the business and also the lifestyle the way in which we want to live our lives what exactly are we doing here right are mm-hmm. we are we trying to i mean so, and for some people you know i think if there's there's people out there who might have lost a job that they had for a long time um, their the skill set that they have, they may be struggling to find another job that has those same requirements, and it might be tough for them to kind of break into something. But they've had ideas about what they could do on their own, whereby they could charge for that, and they could be a solo entrepreneur, a solopreneur, um, which is a perfectly le- legitimate way to 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 build a life. It's just a different lifestyle, right? So it's the lifestyle where you are trading the dollars for the money, but it's a great. In many ways, it's a first step. If you're yes. talking about ultimately we're going to be all of us are going to be too old to really, I mean, at some point I know hundred year old people that are still providing value in the world, but at some point we're probably going to want to slow down. We're going to want to spend more time with our families or travel or, um, give back to the world or do, do other things. Mm -hmm. And so at some point we're trying to create a checkpoint where we can say, okay, I have enough wealth and wealth is actually measured in days, right? How many days you can afford to survive. Right. Right. So I've built up enough wealth to to retire next next week. What I'm going to do the week after, I don't know. Right. You've heard that before. Um, mm-hmm. So you're building up enough wealth in, in days. And um, so that process of doing that is is what I think we in many ways should aspire to, whether we're a solo entrepreneur or whatnot. We should be setting aside some of like you touched on it earlier. We should be setting aside some of what we make 
as in, in we that we use to invest or that right. we use to save to build for the future. Um, and at the same time, I think the goal should be with every business, whether it's as a solopreneur or it's a large scale business to get it to the point where you as the the person, right, you're the, the one responsible for payroll. You're the one that's signing the loan documents. You're the one who's up at 3 a.m. trying to figure out how to solve that problem, that you are the person who has the ability to choose your lifestyle. You know, if, like those choose your own adventure books right. from way back when. If you choose option A, which is solopreneur, this is how you build it. Right. But I think we should be moving towards the path where more and more of our income comes to us in a passive fashion. Mm -hmm. So we should be growing our business so there's enough bottom line after the salary that we can begin to rely on those things and maybe you turn the salary over to somebody else to run your business. Or you're investing in, um, I don't know, uh, some people do this with stocks, right? Eventually you build up enough stocks that produce dividends that you eventually just live off the dividends. Or it might be real estate investing. um, Or it might be, um, investing in a friend's company where who's mm-hmm. starting something and they need you know a certain amount of money to start up and, and in exchange for that you'll own part of the company. So lots of ways to look at passive income. Um, but I think it's a transitionary thing. I think many ways people start something that they are the one providing the value, the service, the whatever it is, the product, or they are the product, and then eventually slowly find a way to multiply their efforts so that then they can back off and slowly that income for them becomes more passive. Yeah. So hopefully that was, uh, I don't even know where I was going at that. No, it's, it's a little uh, bit of a <laughs> summation of not necessarily how to do it step by step, no, but well, the concept. I don't think we can get into that in necessarily in, in one episode, but um, dig in. You've got the four hour work week in, yeah. in your hand here. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think this book has, has taken some flack, I will say for the title. Um, yeah. Because, is there such a thing as a four hour work week? Mm-hmm. If so, at what point is that attainable? And mm-hmm. what does, what do we have to do to get to that point? Um, it's a, it's a great concept. Yeah. And I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts and what parts of that book in particular, sure. you know, speak to you. Sure. This is, I mean, this is in my top 10 business books of all time. Um, uh, the author of this is Tim Ferriss. He's got a great podcast. If you're a podcast freak, you probably already know about it. Um, if not, you should check it out. He interviews just people from all different walks of life who are excellent at what they do. And he basically breaks down some of the whys of how they got there, the, the tips and tricks and the lifestyle choices and the lessons learned and whatnot. And he kind of pulls all those things out and distills them down into things that we can all apply to our lives. And that's what he does in this book called the four hour work week. It's, it's essentially a book on lifestyle design, really. Um, it's about how to make what we do for a living, um, more and more passive. So there's lots of talk of passive income in this book, but also, um, how we sort of make it a little, a little more sane along the way. Um, uh, there's many, many ways that, that people can build a four hour work week. Um, one of the examples he gives in the book is a gentleman named Derek Sivers, who we're, mm-hmm. I know we'll probably reference multiple times in this show. Um, love to have him on sometime. He's a, he's a great, uh, great interview. And, um, so Derek is the founder of cdbaby.com. So this is back in the time frame when musicians were just starting to be able to sell things online. And it was really, really difficult for a musician to sell their CD online, even though a lot of the basic, you know, concepts were there. A lot of the basic tools were there to allow that. There weren't very many places that actually built a platform that you could do this. So he and his band, he actually put up his band's website and figured out how to be able to sell the CDs online. 
And eventually other people would come to him and say, hey, can you sell our CDs on there too? You know, it gets, it's a little easier and blah, blah, blah. And eventually so many people came to him that he had to start another website. So he started CDbaby.com. And uh, it just became this platform where people could, people could uh, just buy uh, other people's CDs on there. And over the course of time, he started to eliminate more and more of his involvement in the business. And eventually he was only working a few hours a week. Um, and then he eventually sold it. He, he did sell it for a lot of money. Yeah, for, hundreds of millions. I think yeah. it was either one or two hundred million dollars. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he created an asset. So ne- yeah. so that's another concept right there, right? So you've created a, a passive income stream. And I tell you what, when a passive in stream, uh, income stream is coming into somebody, that's valuable. Yeah. And you can actually sell that income stream to someone else for lump sums of money. So you can use these things and leverage them. Um, but yeah, I, so I love the book coming back to the four hour work week. Um, like you say, this book has taken a lot of flack. Um, Tim himself has said, you know, he felt like the, the late night infomercial huckster with that title. <laughs> uh, and actually one of the working titles I think was even worse <laughs> along those lines. But, um, but he worked pretty tirelessly to pull together a lot of the ideas of how you can utilize business, utilize small, small, literally micro businesses that are providing a niche product or service, um, to develop sort of location independence, right? You could, you wouldn't have to go into an office. Um, you wouldn't necessarily have to be the person answering the phone or, you know, uh, providing the service or any of those sorts of things. So it's a, it's a great book, uh, highly recommended. So what do you say, and this isn't necessarily in response just to this book, but this whole idea, but what do yeah. you say to the person who says, okay, but I like working. Yeah. The the whole point of me having this business isn't so I can hand it off to somebody else and go right. sit on a beach. That doesn't sound fun to me. Right. Is then, I mean, the benefit of having passive income is still there, obviously. Right. Yes. But what about the person who doesn't want to lose that personal touch or that sure. connection to their work? Sure. I, I say go for it. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I th- I think so many, and and I mean you could scan through the top podcasts, business podcasts that are out there nowadays, yeah. right? And so many of those on that list are passive income based. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about it, yeah. right? In, in many ways, I think because the web has created opportunities for people to generate passive income from small, streamlined, yeah. lean businesses that they don't have to work very hard at. Um, you know, it, it definitely starts to open the mind to, you know, what could I, what could I do along those lines? But if you've got something that you do that you love, mm-hmm. to me, the best, the, the best kind of involvement is that thing that you're passionate about yeah. and you're going to feel the most alive when you're doing what you love to do. Um, so I say, go for it. I say, I say, stay in that if that's what you enjoy doing. However, if it's something that you might be able to make, so, okay, let's look at it this way. So many people, they start a business because they love the thing that business does. Mm-hmm. Then next thing you know, they're working on marketing, their finance, their right. human resources. They're they're filling out paperwork for the government for you know an employee that gets hired on, or there there's so many other things that come along with building a business um, that a lot of people don't realize. Well, I can imagine there's probably seventy five eighty percent of what a business does that that person may not be passionate about. So you can use utilize the same principles behind automating a business or creating a passive income stream to help offload some of those tasks so that you can then find the thing in your business you're most passionate about and then yeah. keep doing that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think they're mutually exclusive at all. Um, well, the, the theme of this whole week is why. Yeah. Why, you know, th- we're trying to answer that question because this is our very first week of episodes and if we're going to talk about building a business of your own and, and lifestyle design and all those things and, and not doing things the way that everybody else does them just because they're the way everyone else does them. Yeah. Why are we taking this different 
path. For sure. Um, it reminds me of a conversation that we had. Um, if you didn't listen to the very first episode 1.1, Dave and I live in the same town. We're sitting mm-hmm. across from each other. In, I'm not a hologram. No. I don't think. Anyway. I can see you. I'm, yep. I'm physically in um, his, his place of business and we're sitting across the desk from each other. So um, we actually are also both members of a small entrepreneurial group. And recently I was talking about scaling and trying to bring on some some employees to do billable work and not just assistant type stuff. Mm-hmm. And other people in the group were really kind of nailing me down. Like, why? What is it you want to do? What is it that you and, you know, do you do you want to be a writer? Is that the part you want to do? And I kind of fumbled with it for a few minutes mm-hmm. because I hadn't really ever thought about it exactly that way. I like to write. I like to pitch. I actually like to propose. I kind of like negotiating. There's like a lot of things yeah. I didn't think I would like that I, I do enjoy. But when it really came down to like what the why was for me, it was helping people. Mm-hmm. And really that's full stop. Yep. That's it. So if I could isolate that, then I'm not so tied to any one business. Right. And I'm not tied to any one way of doing it. Sure. Because multiple ways of helping people could be equally satisfying to me. The the passive or residual income or however I set that up or having employees doing some of the work so I don't have to be physically trading my time for it sure. is what allows me yes. the freedom right. to then do what I want to do anyway yeah, and not be worried about whether I'm helping people in the most effective way to make a lot of money. <laughs> right. Because that also can become kind of a, it kind of can get in your way a little bit sometimes yeah. when, when you are clenching, you know, like tight, like white knuckling mm-hmm. every interaction thinking, what am I getting out of this? Yeah. It doesn't, it, it's not as satisfying as when you can take a step back. So for sure. yeah, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's even really relevant, but it's it, totally relevant. Okay. It's something I've had to learn yeah. too. And, and, and quite frankly, I think the areas of like, I still am involved in day to day and in many of the mm-hmm. thing projects that I have and the parts that I love, I love working with other people that are kind of leading areas to invest in them and help them grow what they're doing and, and really that planning process, the idea of sitting down and going, okay, here's the landscape. Here are our opportunities in front of us. And this is what we know we can do. What do we think would work? We've never done this before. And just the idea of building and creating the solution, Mm. right? That creative process is the thing, the thing I love to do. I like to think and plan winning the future with my friends. And, and so I can do that. And, and actually in many ways, having multiple businesses, at least for me, helps me in a way because I learn things from one that applies to the other, but most of the day-to-day functions are covered Yeah, because those things have, have grown to that point. Um, but I don't, I don't do it well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can preach this stuff all day long. I right. still don't do it well. I mean, there's, there are things that I, I probably need to let go of. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of bookkeeping, Yeah, but I, I, I rationalize it in my own mind that I like to, I like to really understand the flow of money and how it works. Yeah. Right. And what's important using the data, but I don't have to be entering bills. Yeah. I don't have to be processing payroll to do that. Right. So why haven't I let that go? Well, it's, it's, it's a process. Yeah. And I, I think that's the other thing. And, you know, um, even if you, like you talked about having a goal of retiring at 40 and yeah. whether that's actually on, you know, a real date for you at this point or not, it still takes baby steps to get there. Mm-hmm. And so it's all a process. We're still relatively young in age, I like to think. Yeah. And in our businesses, I mean, we could still be, doing this for another 30 years sure. building businesses. So 40, sure. 50, I don't know. Yep. Forever. And forever. humans might start living to like 200 by the time. Yeah, that's probably possible. There, so yeah, <laughs> I've had this business for 750 <laughs> exactly. years. Exactly. Exactly. But it is hard to let go of those things sometimes. And I think, um, 
Oh, you've got the e-myth in your lap too. Is this a good segue to that? Because I feel like... Let's this do. Co- okay. Let's do segue. Do so, it. so many people already that are out there already have something they're working on, right? Right. So you probably already have a business that might be, uh, whether it's it's small and you're the sole proprietor of that business. I love that word, proprietor. Yes, I, I feel I like... I feel like uh, Emporium. It, like, well, I am a proprietor. Well, it feels like you should have like a little hat on and maybe a like a monocle. Yes. Yes. This <laughs> and, is a, the, and a vest and a cravat. I have no idea what that is. What is that? I think a cravat was like, um, it's kind of like a cummerbund, I think. Okay. Yeah. I could see it. You know, like the things like a, yeah. like, like a gentleman would have. Sure. Either that, it would be something he would wear on his person. Is it, and is, maybe have a watch that would come out of a pocket. Out of a pocket attached to a chain. Is yes. is What's the thing where it's sort of like a scarf kind of tucked Isn't that in? Isn't an the, asket? An asket, right? Yeah. Like I feel like, I don't get those. <laughs> I, I see people wearing those things and I, I, I don't understand what that's about, where that came from. It's, the, the it's fashion. It. it doesn't have to have a purpose. It's like saying, hey, I'm... I'm, I'm somebody. I, I'm old money. right? Or here. I'm Fred from Scooby-Doo. Right. Yeah. Oh, see, Fred had an asket. Yeah, there you did. go. I don't know, but uh, if you're Fred out there running your business, I think you've probably already got something that by and large, you kind of wish maybe worked a little bit more without you, Mm -hmm. you know, that there was maybe a little bit more to that, that, um, you know, you kind of wish you could step away from time to time. I think a lot of people don't think they can get the time off that they want. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of those things. So the book I have in my hand right now, this is another one I'm going to recommend. This is also in my top 10 best business books of all time. It's called The E-Myth. Uh, why most small businesses don't work and what to do about it. Um, the reality is that 90 over the course of, I think it's 10 to 15 years, 99% of businesses that are started will fail. Mo- it, it, pretty much what actually happens is they run out of money. But most of the time, what happens is they weren't started. It, most people think businesses are started by true entrepreneurs, right? Mm. Someone that's standing on a mountaintop bracing against the winds and has the cape on and whatever, but that's not the reality of how it works. Got a lot most, of imagery going on in this I show. I do. I love this. I love the imagery. Well, nobody can see us, so right, we're, we're just painting the pictures here. We're just, we like to paint with our little brush. I'm going to put in some little... So entrepreneur, superhero. Entrepreneur, superhero. His hands on his hips. That's right. All, yeah, okay. That's right. You've all seen the... You've. I mean, you all know the, the stereotype, but most small businesses and most businesses in general are started by somebody that has effectively an entrepreneurial seizure <laughs> that says... Oh, I'm going to do this or right. I can do this or, you know, I'm sick of my job. So I'm going to start a business right. or I work somewhere and I know I can do it better than this guy that owns this business. So I'm going to start on my own. And they might know the thing that that business does really well, right? They might be a plumber working for a plumbing company. And so they know how to plumb really well. So I'm going to go off and I'm going to plumb better than this guy and I'm going to make a ton of money. Well, the next thing you know, like we talked about earlier, the next thing you know, you've got to find people to hire you right? right you've got to manage the money coming in and make sure it goes to the bank and set aside taxes and you've got to hire people and you've got to get good people working for you how do you do that how do you choose great people do you just does somebody come in they sit down and fool you for 30 minutes and then you throw them into into a role and then right. you, no it doesn't work like that there's skills that are uh what are called the i guess the skills of the entrepreneur that are different from the skills of what that business does and so the e-myth that's just it it's the myth of the entrepreneur and what to do about it. So if you realize one day you wake up and you go, wow, I started this thing and I've been bootstrapping it and doing whatever it takes. And, and I, this thing really needs to become a real business. Um, this book will guide you through that process of moving from being more of a technically minded person to being more of a manager and more of a leader and entrepreneur. Um, and, and the idea of working on your business instead of just working in your business. 
Um, because what you want to do is you want to move towards having a business that will work without you. Um, and so he, he, the author of the book, Michael Gerber, he kind of sells the idea of the franchise model. You know, McDonald's can run 15 year olds can run McDonald's. Yeah. In essence. Right. Yeah. Uh, and consistency out the window, mm-hmm. you know, 30 second drive through town, like all that stuff, that system runs the business. And so if you focus on your business as a, a series of systems and focus on it that way, you can build up responsibilities through other people and automation and things where you don't have to work as hard. So, uh, that is the e-myth revisited. So what, and that's by Michael Gerber, Michael Gerber. Yep. What is the difference then? I mean, and this is just conceptual stuff and maybe it doesn't even really matter, but between building a, a product or an asset that earns you money mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis mm-hmm. and hiring people that earn money for you. I mean, I guess sure. in that sense, the people become your assets. In, in a way, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I think a lot of people think of passive income. You think it has to be some like online system that right. is automatically marketing and yeah. selling and you're just, exactly. n- nothing happens, right? right? You just sit here and money shows up in your checking exactly. account. <laughs> Quite often there's people involved sometimes right. in those situations or if it's a people intensive business, which is I think in many ways what the e-myth focuses on um, in people intensive businesses or small businesses, um, there are other people that you're reliant on to get things done. Um, In many ways, if you've provided them good leadership, good direction, good accountability with what they should be doing, um, you've defined really great systems that run your business. So the idea is the system runs the business and the people run the system. Mm -hmm. So now you can, you can actually drive down the competency level that any one person needs to have because the system is kind of running things in a way. And so I don't need, you don't need to be, have the kind of person that like most entrepreneurs, we just sit here and put out fires all day long, right? right? This comes up, we can handle it, right? Cause we've just got the skills. We can manage 14 things at once and meet that payroll and yeah. answer that phone and, and dive in and do the thing we need to do in, in our accounting software or whatever. And that's not really how a business should run. If mm-hmm. you're trying to develop a smoothly running one that you can step away from the same thing works when you have other people in place. If you give them a solid system to operate, um, and focus on that, it becomes easier for them to do what they need to do. And you get more consistent results out of that person. And they can use their skills to then solve problems, to yeah. handle customer issues, or to create new things for you. So I have a kind of a roundabout question. It's going to take me a minute to get to this. Sure. I'm going to set it up with a little bit of a scenario. Okay. okay. So probably the biggest source, or maybe really the only real source of residual or passive income that I've consistently had are my book royalties. Mm-hmm. And now that you're talking about this and thinking, oh, okay, well, it's kind of similar. Like somebody out there is working, is doing work yes. that is resulting in my book continuing to sell. Yeah. And then I'm getting a check. Yes. I don't have a current business relationship with that publisher anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, we're not on a contract together in any, except for that book, but yeah. there's no existing business relationship now. Um, so it's passive to me, but not passive on their end. Something right. is happening. Right. Now, here's the question. I could put work into making those books sell better. Mm-hmm. And there always becomes that point where, when do you just let it ride right? and say, it's fine. I'm getting what I'm getting from that. It's purely nothing. I literally go to the, to the mailbox and open it up and there's a check. And there's a check. How do I decide where the, uh, I don't know, is there the return on investment if I decide now I'm going to promote that book again. Yeah. And I, I guess you can't answer that for me, but I'm just thinking as a concept, like you can always make something better, yeah. even real estate investment. Sure. You can always make that yep. better yep. in some way and make more. Right. 
But how do you judge whether the amount of effort or time or resources you're putting into it is worth sure. kicking out more? Or do you just double that and do another? Right, know? right. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I guess it depends on the size of the royalties or, yeah. or how many books are selling or what this what the potential is. Yeah. You know, if you think you could sell a hundred times more books than are being sold right now. Yeah. And you think the effort right. to, to get there might be something that could be set up to be an ongoing kind of thing. Right. You, you might be able to build a little system around that that would, because to me it comes, it does come back to a system again, right? Because Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is yeah. there like, is there a formula? Like how do you, you know, and so it's dip publishing is different from real estate. And these are all very sure. different. You have to be in it to right. some degree to kind of know right. or to look at projections or whatever. But is there a, you know, because some of that is taking away from from your life or for something you yes. could also pay forward into something different. It's, right. it's kind of like the difference between looking backward, looking sideways, and looking forward, you yeah. know, and yeah. and how to and balance those three things. Sure, so, sure. I don't know. Well, I guess, I, so we're, we're talking about the idea of why this week, yeah. right? Yeah, So I would ask, I would zoom out uh-huh. and I would say, why would you want the book sales to grow? I mean, it seems like a natural answer, right? right? More book sales, more royalties, that helps. Um, why choose that over something else? Right. Why choose um, a consulting business over you know something else that's repeatable? I think the idea of having diversification in the different types of businesses you pursue is a good idea. Mm-hmm. So if you can develop something that does produce a fairly passive source stream of income that maybe is product based, like a book, um, is a good supplement to something where you might have you know um, whether people working for you or yourself trading you know time for dollars. Um, in addition to building something else, you know, I, I think like to me, it, it's just how that, what that lifestyle has to look like. There are yeah. some people that can handle having multiple projects going mm-hmm. and there are other people that really should not have multiple projects going and, and should focus in order to, to excel. I actually don't know which camp I fall into because For me, it depends on the month. Yeah. <laughs> My caffeine level. Yeah. Well, yeah that does help, right? <laughs> yeah. How much cognitive I've had, but the, there are, there are times when I, I think, oh my gosh, if I just focused in on one thing, mm-hmm. what what could I could blow that thing up? Um, I've got 15 companies, right? Like, yeah. there's a lot to spread yourself across. Now, I'm not doing everything in those, and I'm not many of those. I don't even check in on for long yeah. periods of time. They're just small things or automated things or whatever. But um, yeah, I think the how that situates in one's life and the life that one wants to lead i think is probably the biggest the biggest answer there because you're right you probably could put a certain amount of effort in to grow the sales of that book and if that's supporting your other business right right if if the a lot of people are discovering you through the book and then that's supporting your other business and the the team that you have then that might be a, a good additional way to grow the pr for that new business you know and but i think you're you're so right that um it's really easy to focus on the what and that is the how much do i put into this to get x amount more sales or dollars when really maybe the question is why. And right. if it feel if it for every any reason felt to me like a step back or something I didn't really wasn't really interested in anymore, sure. then I think then the the benefit goes way down. Sure. You know, the cost goes down and the Oh right. You know, or the cost goes up and right. <laughs> right. and what I'm getting out of it um goes down relatively speaking even if the actual amount of money is more sure the effort to reward right effort to reward thank you yeah which is a good ratio to think about yeah yeah well I I think the other thing is there are I mean great ideas are a dime a dozen I hate to say that no you're totally right if you I mean so many people even in a small town like where we're at we're in Silicon Valley or or out east or or whatever um, the the Detroit startup scene is is becoming pretty Mm -hmm. interesting too so in those areas, you have a lot of people that are putting a lot of effort and a lot of money into great ideas. Yeah. With potentially great teams, 
or you may have great teams looking for great ideas. Um, but I think great ideas are a dime a dozens. And I think when people see, I could do this to create something for myself. Yeah. I think too often we don't ask the questions about that, that would situate that well in our lives. Mm-hmm. Is that the thing I should be pursuing? Yeah. Or is that the thing I'm going to pour the next 10 years of my life into for potentially very little result? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think as soon as we see an opportunity, I think quite often we dive after that when the reality is there's opportunities everywhere. Yeah. So I think taking the time to slow down and understand the why of what we're doing and how does that fit um, is very important, which I'm really interested to hear what, what Clayton has to say uh, about that because he's had a really interesting path. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and on Friday, then we're going to episode 1.5. We're going to kind of pull it all together mm-hmm. and talk about some lessons learned from Clayton's interview and from the week as a whole. Yeah. So, great. Well, this is a good place to wrap this one up then. For sure. Check back uh, tomorrow. It'll be Thursday if you're listening to these as they come out, which we hope you are. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or you can just go to lifeworkpodcast.com and check out the show notes there. And there'll also be a link there that will help you subscribe if if you're not finding it right now or something like maybe you're in the car right now and you shouldn't be fumbling around your phone anyway. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> just wait till you get home and go to lifeworkpodcast.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the life work podcast, build your business and design your life with us every day, Monday through Friday and find us at lifeworkpodcast.com. Podcast.com.